your Van Seas Weekly, the home for info and insight on the Vancouver Canadians and all Toronto Blue Jays minor league prospects. Hosted by Greg Ballack and Charlie Kasky. It is your Van Seas podcast time, episode 17. I'm Greg Ballack with Charlie Kasky, fresh off the Vancouver Canadians, uh, what do you call it, the, just the regular yearly luncheon? <laughs> well, let's just go with what they call it, the hot stove luncheon. There you go. Which... That's Which the word I was looking for. Rob Fay, when he first said it, said this will be the longest titled event you come to this year, which <laughs> for me, yeah, I think that's definitely going to be the case. Well, it's um, the only event you really want to go to, right? At least for well, let, let, yeah, let's say it's the only event I really want to go to, not <laughs> just the only event that I'm actually invited to. Instead, yeah, yeah, it's the only one I want to go to. <laughs> well, you had a pretty good time from what I hear, and we have loads and loads of audio to get to. I had an amazing time, Greg. It's just a shame that you, you can go to your work duties, uh, disallowed it. I saw how good of a job you did last year, so I just figured you could handle it by yourself. <laughs> this is, you know, letting you off the leash a little bit to do it on, do it on your own, Charlie. Very much. Thank you. <laughs> no, you'd appreciate that. <laughs> so we have, we do have interviews that you did with four of the players. Uh, you interviewed Russell Martin for quite a while. He's the longest interview of the bunch. Uh, also, Aaron Sanchez, Drew Hutchison, and Marcus Stroman, they were all there for the winter tour. Yeah, which compared to last year, and this is not to denigrate Kevin Pillar, but, <laughs> you know, A, you've got three-fifths of the rotation, potentially, um, and we'll get to this later in the show. Uh, we'll maybe touch on Aaron Sanchez, bullpen versus rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Russell Martin, who's the biggest signing that the, the Blue Jays have had in a long time. I'm not going to pinpoint it down. And what well, you got a Canadian, you've got two ex Vancouver Canadians. You know, they, they basically covered all bases. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Kim Pilar obviously had a history with, with Vancouver, but he was here for the playoffs. Um, I'm not even sure how often he played the Nat. And then, of course, he started the following season in Buffalo, where that's not going to be the case unless, for whatever reason, they decide to stretch out Sanchez and he doesn't mm-hmm. make the team as, as a starter. He may end up in Buffalo. But, you know, it was a, it was a, a star studded lineup. Uh, Roberto Alomar was out again. Um, we didn't get any audio with him. Uh, Alex Anthopoulos was meant to be there. Um, last minute, no show. And Paul Beeston was very silent for Paul Beeston, <laughs> which is out of character for him. Well, Anthopoulos so, was obviously working on a huge, massive trade that he's about to pull off. Yes. Right? And Paul Beeston obviously didn't want to answer any more <laughs> questions about Dan freaking Duquette. <laughs> Um, and which, we won't even get into that. Which really. we won't get into. Yeah. I mean, it was resolved shortly thereafter. You know, we're talking in the past. This was a week this past Friday or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So it was still quite swirling around. I mean, obviously he signed a, a new one-year deal shortly thereafter, but they were in full radio silence mode, um, which is a shame because Paul Beeson's a great interview. He, I know TSN 1040 were, were doing their midday show live, and they thought they were going to have him on, and, and that got shut down. They, they had Anthopolis booked. And then they got a late, a late cancellation yeah. for him. So, bit odd how that all went down. But you know, right now it was funny. I kind of horse collared Charlie Wilson, the Dre's director of minor leagues uh, or minor league coordinator, whatever his mm-hmm. title is, as he was leaving, and he's like, oh, "I'm, I'm going to miss my flight. Is this the line, coat check line?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think it is. Do you mind if I ask you questions while you're waiting in line?" And he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I was asking him questions, and as soon as he got his coat, Beeston came up and said, right, let's go. And I'm like, right, great, thanks, Charlie. I much appreciate it. And Paul Beeston shook my hand. So hmm. 
if that was I, at the time, I, we nobody was sure if that was you know his last act as yeah. a, as the Blue Jays president. So it was kind of neat that I got to shake his hand as he was walking out. But now, of course, we know that he's uh, he's on for another year, and hopefully, he's going to be part of the process. Yeah, my very you know short experiences with Paul Beeston. I, I went to cover a few games back when I was in Ontario, and he was very upfront introducing himself. I knew who he was, but you know he was always very friendly, and I guess they could tell I was a newbie, and he wanted to. You know, introduce himself, which is you know always positive. He's a very personable guy when you meet him, but uh, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, obviously, and, and what's he's what he's like. You know, yeah, with, with other presidents, I, exactly. And I think I think it was Elliot Friedman wrote a, a small piece. You know, like maybe the younger generation. I mean, I'm of the generation. I remember the early '90s. I was, uh, you know, I was old enough where I was drinking beers, watching those games. Wow, <laughs> don't date yourself. <laughs> um, so. You know, I have a lot of fond memories of Paul Beeston, but some of the younger generation don't, and all mm-hmm. they see is failure. And yeah. then they see this guy who doesn't even have an email address, and, you know, what's this dinosaur doing running a baseball club when mm-hmm. you have guys like that? So, I mean, I can understand, mm-hmm. you know, why some people are a bit negative. I, that's not the right word. I, I can't think of what I'm trying to say here exactly. But, you know, I... I the, for me, I think Dan Duquette would be a great hire, and I know we said we aren't going to touch on it, but the way it's been handled is just mm-hmm. shoddy, really, really shoddy, it and w- that's what annoys me. Yeah, it was so interesting to see all the different opinions about the situation, and you know, I said we weren't going to get into this, but right. we, we are a little bit. Um, like the Paul Beast and surrounding him, and, and you know, you're either on one side or the other. Either you love him or, or you hate him, and you know, just to play the devil's advocate a little bit, um, you know, would you really accept this type of failure for over 20 years from a team president with any other organization in the league? The Jays haven't made the playoffs in t- over 20 years. Well, no, and but That's, he hasn't been with the club for the entire 20 that years. That is true. That uh, is he, true. He went away for it to MLB, but I, I get what you said and uh, what you're saying. Just and, the organization as a whole, though, to accept this type of failure. And he was with with um, Gillick. You know when? Yeah. So kind of that that common denominator of Paul Paul Gillick is gone, and yeah. without him, he's had. Yeah, he's had zero zero success. I like the guy, but I just you have to look at that when you look at his legacy. You do, you do. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I I mean, I was all for the hiring of Dan, Dan Duquette. Where that would leave Anthopoulos, I I don't know. I think Anthopoulos has done a good job. You know, he hasn't made the playoffs, but I think he's made the the team better. I think he's made the farm system obviously, which is what I kind of focus on mm-hmm. a lot better. Um, but for the price of. Hoffman, <laughs> yeah, that, no. that was my argument. Like, no, uh, are you are you crazy? You know, that's just stupid. Um, uh, but I've seen people on Twitter, whether they're playing devil's advocate or trolling, as the kids call it these days, <laughs> saying, "Well, wh- why this Dan Duquette's one wherever he's gone? Why wouldn't we give up someone like Jeff Hoffman?" But mm-hmm. you know, for a team that I think there's other reasons why they didn't sign Casey Jansen, and the Nationals got him for five million. Um, you know, for a team that. Apparently the budget's only six million for the rest of the year, and I know minor league money is a different allocation. You know they 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 signed Jeff Hoffman for just over three million bucks, mm-hmm. and they basically were willing to flush that down the toilet without ever letting him see a pitch. Well, sorry, basically when I say willing, that's what some people had them potentially doing. I don't. I if if I were flying the wall, I'd love to hear, it, but I doubt the Blue Jays ever got close to saying yes I'd to hope Jeff so. Hoffman. Yeah, I would hope know. so because <laughs> that's. A steep, very steep price to yeah, pay. Yeah. Well, for and then it. when it came out that it was not only Hoffman, it was Pentecost and someone like oh. Mitch Nay. It was like, okay, this is just bullshit <laughs> now. You know. Well, 
Well, let's get into uh, the guy that wasn't at the luncheon. Before we get into the interviews and everything, we'll talk about Anthopolis a little bit, who didn't show up to Vancouver like we expected. Um, recently, he was on the radio on Fan 590. or Yes, what, uh, yesterday or the day before? Yeah, last night maybe it was, or the night before? I, I think it was remember. a couple days ago, and he was just raving and raving about, uh, it may have been last night, but he, he was raving about Miguel Castro. And we saw all these quotes people were, were posting on Twitter uh, about how he has a legitimate shot to make the team out of training camp. Uh, he's going to be invited. He's invited to training camp and will will actually be looked at very closely to actually making this team in the bullpen at the start of the year, which sort of turned a, turned a few heads with, uh, with that statement. Yeah, and, and this is like the fifth time he's specifically brought him up this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to just pump him up? Yeah, I, <laughs> something's up. Something has to be up because... Well, there's two things, you know, a, you know, this, this kid is like, what, a year and a half out of the Dominican Summer League. Um, he, he's only 19. He might be 20 now. I should bring him up on, on baseball reference. Um, when we saw him in Vancouver, I liked, and let me get this set this straight. I liked him a lot, a lot, a lot. But as a 19-year-old prospect, you know, <laughs> I didn't like him as, oh, you know, I think maybe he can be an MLB bullpen piece next year. There's no way I was thinking that. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he throws upper 90s, I thought it came in straight a lot of the time. I thought he caught too much of the plate a lot of the time. Lots of run from what Mike Reeves was telling us. Yeah, when he tons was of run, um, but then his arm would get a bit slingy and the run would be flat. He wouldn't get any downward plane. Um, his slider, again, he got under it a bit. Uh, and I've said this before on the show, um, and, you know, it, 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 there needed to be a lot of work on his slider. Now, Anthopolis keeps talking about his changeup. I think one time he called it a banana changeup, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Unless he improved it a lot, which is possible. When he went to Lansing and Dunedin, like Vince Horseman got into his ear, and, and this isn't taking anything away from Jeff Ware, but maybe some, you know, they got some other people talking to him, and then he went up to Dunedin. Maybe it improved lots. From what I saw as a changeup, there was excellent velocity separation, like 12 miles an hour. Um, which which will throw off timing, but mm-hmm. I didn't see a lot of run. I didn't see a lot of movement. And although I'm not a scout and I'm not very good at picking it out, there was definitely a different arm slot, which good hitters will pick up on. So for me, yeah, a great prospect. Like a scout, I was chatting with a scout next to me one time, and and he's like, "Yeah, the kid throws 99. They'll be able to teach him breaking balls." Which <laughs> That's kind of what Mike Reeves was saying. Yeah, well. exactly. <laughs> you know, um, which I would have expected they would do him this year. Um, now he's talking about the pen, which to do that, you, you're, you're pigeonholing him now. And this is interesting because yeah. that was my first question when I, when I grabbed Charlie Wilson in, in the coat check line. I said, you know, are, are you guys going to stretch him out and start him lower or is he going to start higher and be a bullpen piece? And he kind of, Didn't now in down. hindsight, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, maybe he was being a bit evasive at the time. He gave me a, a very, you know, plausible answer, like, well, we won't know until spring training. Like, we have to see him <laughs> pitch in spring training. Sure, we take into account what they did last year, but until mm. we see what he's doing in spring training, we're not going to be able to make a decision. And he said buy that. about yeah. the shortstops, <laughs> maybe I'm just too gullible, I don't know. Um, you know, he said it was shortstops. I'm like, well, if, if Frankie Barreto gone, does that mean, you know, the linear progression of Richard Urena and like Yeltsin Godinho are they going to skip a level and make up for, for Bredo being gone? And same thing, you know, like, oh, well, we will take into account last you year. You have but to have a plan with these guys, you know, from the outside. Yeah, that's you the have thing. To so I don't want to say, because, you know, I, I don't want to burn any bridges here because Charlie Wilson was very good yeah. to sit there and answer questions. So I'm not going to say, oh, he, he was obviously misleading me. I don't think he was. I think there is, 
probably a plan in place, but you know, the, the, the guys got to show up spring training mm. and, and play well, you know, they can't think, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be in Dunedin this year. Why bother even try? And if Anthopoulos was so out front with it on the radio, talking about how he has a chance to make it out of spring training, why would he be so guarded with, with that? You know, well, yeah. So you. that's my, that's my thing is, is have they sort of put it on lockdown within the organization mm. and yes. Okay. Alex can say a few things on the radio, but nobody else, nobody else kind of bring it up. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, it it is. Um, I, and there's been a lot of chatter on on Twitter today from myself and people I chat with, like uh, our old friend um, Jesse Goldberg Strassler, the um, the lugs um, play by play guy. You know, he said that he's ready. Um, uh, let he me called him it. polished. Polished. Sorry, yeah, he's awesome. He's he's amazingly polished, and that's what I sort of took umbrage with because I, I didn't think he was amazingly polished. I thought he was exceptional talent and exceptional raw talent, but I didn't see polish from him. He also said he looks like Kevin Durant and I don't really see that. Either, yeah, I didn't but. see that either. <laughs> oh, he's, oh, I won't say it. Um, Stay away, Charlie. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like him a lot. I don't see him as an MLB bullpen arm next year. And maybe... Uh, uh, you know, Anthopolis is trying to throw people off the scent of the fact that the bullpen still seems weak. I don't think it is. You know, I think there's a lot of plausible arms that they have now. They've made a lot of kind of under-the-radar signings. Yes, they haven't signed Jonathan Papelbon or, or sorry, traded for him or, or signed mm-hmm. Soriano or any of the other guys that were going to command huge sums of money. And, he's, and he said on the radio, if, if you're thinking about a $10 million reliever, it ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're nowhere near that. Or he's just trying to pump up a prospect, which is very highly likely scenario. Like yep. you have a guy who is a relatively unknown coming out of the Dominican, who has rave rave reviews from wherever he's been, um, can throw ninety eight, ninety nine miles per hour. Of course, the scouts are going to go gaga over that. They're not going to be able to watch every single one of his outings to see when he struggles and what his weaknesses are. So why might as well pump him up? Say he's the next greatest thing. Oh yeah, we got this huge blue trip prospect in our bullpen. He might make the team out of spring training. Bam, you have three, four suitors at your door, you could get a guy that's able to do something now if he's not ready. Because yeah. this is it for Anthopolis. If, if this isn't the year for him, if they have another, you know, 10 games under 500 or even 500 season, he's done. Yeah. This is it. But, I mean, how often does that work these days? You know, there's so many <laughs> scouts, there's so much video online. You know, five, 10 years ago, sure, yeah, you, you pump up a prospect over the radio and, and see what happens. You know, you balloon him a bit. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't work in people baseball like us front talking? office. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to know if, if this actually works. You know, I would love to know how Billy Bean valued Franklin Brettel. You know, he's mm-hmm. a nineteen-year-old kid playing in Vancouver of all places. <laughs> how do the Oakland A's it's on the West Coast? At least, yeah, it's on the <laughs> West Coast. And but that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Like he obviously had scouts watch him. Um, we had Bernie Pleskoff on last show of the show before, who said, "Well, I've watched a ton of video on him. That's how I know him." Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if that's a, it's, if that's a viable strategy in this age, mm-hmm. you know, the modern internet slash, you know, reach, well, I mean, the, the Blue Jays have one of the biggest scouting staffs in, in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. That's how, you know, Anthopolis has sort of made his bed. I'm going to scout everyone. I want to know about everybody else's system. Mm-hmm. There's probably other teams out there that are, yeah, you know, we don't need to know everybody about everything about everybody else's system. But Houston has that huge uh, network that they yeah. have with, with all the information at everyone's disposable in, disposal in the organization. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens. Um, he's being invited to full spring training, which 
is surprising. I've, I've, I finally pulled up his page. He just turned 20, uh, day before Christmas. And yeah, 2012, he was playing in the Dominican. The first <laughs> half of 2013, he was playing in the Dominican. You know, stranger things have happened though. You know, comes out 2013, pitches in the Gulf and the Appy, and then three three levels last year. So you're right, stranger things. Kendall Grayman, <laughs> stranger things have happened. Yeah. You know, five levels or whatever he did in two years. Ricky uh, Romero, he might drop five levels in three yeah. years. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> He's been invited, I believe, to... Ricky Romero? I think I heard something. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just hoping and praying, but... Uh, I don't know. I man. thought I saw something about him. Maybe I'll look it up. Well, I only was, I'm only looking at the MLB <laughs> transactions page that has the um, um, all the non-roster invitees. I don't see Romero on there. Okay, maybe I'm just crazy. Um, but the interesting ones, segueing on from Castro, the other interesting names on that list are... He was um, not invited. That's what I saw. Sorry, he was not among those. Right. Um, so Anthony Alford, who we had on the show, um, Mitch Ney, and Dwight Smith Jr., who I guess isn't a huge surprise. Like, he had a great year in Dunedin mm-hmm. last year um, when we had Chris Mellon on. They had him as one of the on-the-rise prospects. You know, he's he's a pure hitter. Um, plenty of people that you read say, you know, if he if he keeps hitting his way through double-A this season, you know, he sh- he shouldn't be that far off. Mm-hmm. But Roberto Suno, Calford, Calford, Alford, Castro, <laughs> and Ney are kind of the four surprises for me because... Well, I mean, obviously we know about Asuna. He, he pitched a bit in Dunedin, but that was only the, the very end of the year. He's coming off and Tommy well, John. not well, particularly. Well, like Pleskov said, he, he threw the ball well, just oftentimes threw it right down the middle of the plate. Yeah. You know, he looked like a guy coming off Tommy John surgery. Castro, we just talked about. Mitch Ney, you know, didn't have a great season in Lansing, came up to Dunedin at the end of the season, couldn't hit a lick in Dunedin. Mm-hmm. So I would have expected hit a, another season at minor league spring training for him. Um, Alfred, I mean, that's a huge shock. Yeah. You know, he's at 100 minor league at-bats. <laughs> he hasn't done spit in Australia. Um, maybe they just want to get him some against some high-end competition, see what he can do. Maybe, yeah. Maybe so they just want to keep... You, right? Though. Yeah, just like, look, we're just going to keep challenging. We're going to keep challenging, keep challenging, and sooner or later we think it's going to click for you. I think he's one of those guys they just they don't want to make him bored. <laughs> they want to keep challenging him and keep yeah. showing him that there's something he needs to strive to. Otherwise, he's just going to well, trail that's, off. Yeah, and, that's possible. I mean, Mitch Ney, same. You know, I've, the word is Mitch Ney is that he, his athleticism, I'm still waiting for a couple of scouts to get back to me on f- whether for sure he'll be able to stick at third. Um, uh, Derek Chung was there last year, Jack Murphy, sure. Uh, but yeah, Suna, uh, which... Brings me back, sort of. I I said to Bernie when we had him on the show, I really think they're going to be aggressive with Asuna this year, despite the Tommy John. And I mm-hmm. think in the invitation to full spring training kind of confirms my belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could be dead wrong. I haven't before. But when when you guy comes back from Tommy John, you don't come back until you're ready and you're ready to throw. And you know they they baby you up until that point for a reason. Yeah. And when he's back from Tommy John, I I agree with him. Why not challenge him? Why not, you know. Not blow his arm out again, throw him, you know, too many nights in a row, but, you Well, know, no, just challenge just, him at a level higher him. than maybe what everybody else, like, I, I, everybody well. I've read said, oh, he'll go back to Dunedin. I was of the mind that he'll go to New Hampshire. This mm-hmm. kind of smells to me like New Hampshire. If, if he's going to full spring training, he's going to New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, as I said, I could be way off base here. <laughs> I don't think you're way off. There's, um, there's, when there's smoke, there's usually fire. Yeah, so Alfred, that's funny. I mean, obviously... Yeah. 
you know, I, I've got, you know, I love the fact that he's come away from, I love the fact that he's going to be playing baseball full time. Here's what I don't love. He's at 100 ABs. He's extraordinarily raw. I mean, a lot of things that we could say about D.J. Davis, we could say the exact same about Anthony Alford. Mm-hmm. His high school experience wasn't a lot. You know, he comes from, he's a Mississippi prep product, exactly like D.J. Davis. He's more renowned as an athlete than a baseball player, exactly like D.J. Davis. You know, went to Australia, he struck out a ton. Um, the reports you heard is that they threw him a lot of spin because there wasn't guys down there that are throwing 95. That's why they're in the Australian Baseball League. <laughs> um like DJ Davis. So until he proves to me that he's not going to be DJ Davis, Mark II, then you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, I had him 30 in my prospect list this year. This year I'm going to have him obviously higher, but I'm not going to be one of the guys like a lot of people I've read who are putting him in their top 10 just so, because of the pure athleticism. Yeah. He needs to develop as a ball player. Yeah, not, exactly. Not just an athlete. Yeah. Um, he even kind of hinted at that as well when we when we had him on the show. Like he... You mentioned he needs to get out there and just play baseball because he hasn't done it in, in so yeah. long, and he needs to develop. Even when you have the player agreeing to that, then you know for sure <laughs> that's what the the organization probably sees the same thing. Yeah, so it's very interesting, and presumably that means we'll see him. You know, sports don't have ten games on or whatever. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like I remember last year we saw Andy Burns and Peter Mooney and the the younger guys, the the minor leaguers. You know, they come in late in the games and. Yeah. I don't think he'll be in Montreal when I'm out there, though, will he? <laughs> no. That's usually I think the set roster that goes at, Well, uh, no, Sanchez closed and threw to Derek Chung. Um, so you never know. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I forgot you're going to Montreal. That would yeah. be awesome. I just yeah. saw that they sold a shit ton of tickets. So Yeah, I, I found a pre-sale busy. like right when it was first announced. So it was lucky. that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's not, not amazing seats. They didn't release all of the seats, obviously, right away. But right. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I had tickets to go. <laughs> Uh, so we can start booking stuff off, and uh, it's awesome. gonna be exciting. Yeah, hopefully meet up with a few, few Jays enthusiasts while I'm out there. Yeah, you know what? I I, I spoke to a fellow Jays enthusiast. Well, they all were at the luncheon um, about going to Seattle this year, and of course, it's been moved from a, from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to a weekend series. And I was like, oh no, I don't think I'm gonna go this year. <laughs> weekend, all the riffraff will be handing down. <laughs> and then the guy that I used to go with regularly, who bailed on me the last couple of years because he's had a baby. Um, Terrible. Tweeted me out of the blue and said, "Yeah, actually, he's he's going to England with me for this reunion of our baseball team over there." Just before, and he was like, "Oh, I know we're going to England, but I've got the time off. Let's go to Seattle. All right, <laughs> let's book it up." And within six hours, it was all booked up. So wow. I'm heading back down. So that should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, see some in-person Blue Jays. Yes. <laughs> I might even if I can stay sober, see if I can get a media <laughs> credential for one of them. But Ooh. yeah, who knows? I don't know. That would be mighty difficult, I think. <laughs> hey, if I can get uh, to the Blue Jays at uh, in Toronto when I was out there, you can probably get something to, to yeah. see out. Get something sorted out. <laughs> uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about other minor leaguers that were invited to, to camp. You kind of touched on a, a few of the guys. Well, no, I just touched on most of them yeah. that I, I want to talk about. I know it'll be interesting to see, you know, Dwight Smith Jr., who yeah. we saw briefly here. So, you know, if... If he's, and I wasn't all that impressed, but again, he was here for a short time. He got called up near the end of the season. Hmm. Um, and yeah, Asuna yeah, and Castro. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I'm really curious to see Mishne. Um, you know, obviously his, he was drafted as a power hitter. He hasn't unlocked his game power yet. 
Um, he was written off by a lot of uh, I've never written him off. I, he's definitely still a prospect in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, he's dropped out. Uh, you know, when we had Chris on, we f- that was one guy that we forgot to ask about um, because they had him in their top 10 last year. Baseball prospectus is top 10, like seven or something. And he hmm. was totally out this year. So, you know, was that just a product of the rough season in Lansing or had scouts told them something definitive, um, you know, stay away from this guy? So, yeah, I was curious about that. Um, and Castro, speaking of Castro, I actually had someone that I'd emailed um, quite a while ago come back to me today out of the blue who loved him, saw him <laughs> in, in instructs and absolutely loved him. So, yeah, he's, he's a... He's a I wouldn't say polarizing figure, but you sure are getting some pretty wildly varied opinions on him. Um, so, yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, hopefully we'll get to see him come spring training, just like those other guys, and, and see what he can do against, you know, they don't often face major league hitters when these younger guys come in during spring training. Mm-hmm. Baseball Reference, I think it was Baseball Reference, had a really cool tool where they sort of averaged out the level of competition they face in spring training. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they won't be facing major league competition, but right. it'll be obviously far higher than what they've experienced mm-hmm. in the past couple of seasons. So there was a, should be interesting. a few other signings today as well. The, the Jays signed uh, the pitcher, Ronald Belisario, or Belisario, however you want to say it, to a minor league deal with an invitation to spring training. He's a big... Big fellow, but uh, I guess he could be a useful arm out of the bullpen if they yeah, need him. Yeah, I don't know much about him. I, I, from what I've seen on Twitter, he's a ground ball machine. Mm-hmm. Um, Good at Rogers Center. <laughs> slower turf uh, yeah. this year, as we've heard. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I can't say much on these two signings except they're done. I don't because yeah. I, I haven't had time today to uh, to look at them as players. Well, the other signing was the infielder Ramon Santiago, who I really don't know much about either. No, he's, apparently he's only played half a season for the yeah. past like one season combined over the past <laughs> two years. So, but another, it hasn't been particularly great. But depth move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it's on minor league deals, it's, what can go wrong? I also saw when I was looking up Ricky Romero uh, that non roster invitee Jake Fox has been assigned Ricky Romero's old number twenty four. So sorry, Ricky, but your number has been. Who the hell is Jake Fox? He was on the Cubs a little while ago. Orioles. He had a few, few decent years. Power guy, outfielder. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and and Andy Dirks was re-signed yeah. after yeah. being DFA'd. So that that's interesting. That's good. It's um, all depth stuff, but stuff that, <laughs> as we've come to know as as Jays watchers over the years, that comes into play pretty depth, soon in the year. Depth so. is a is a very very good thing. Yeah. And, of course, the biggest news, Meister Sturis has taken, I guess it was Brett Laurie's old number 13. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, you know, with the legend that is Laurie. Now, it's shaping up to be pretty decent infield defense. If you look other than Jose Are Reyes at short. Are you kidding me? Well, yeah, if, if you've got Ryan Goins at second, yeah. then yes. And but you have Donaldson at third. It, yeah, Donaldson at third. And, and Smoke, who I hear is a pretty decent fielder at first. But up the middle level. defense... And we'll, maybe we'll talk about this a bit more after the Stroman and Sanchez <laughs> interviews. You know, these guys are are going to be ground ball machines. Yeah. Y- are you fully confident that Meister Sturrs and, and Jose Reyes <laughs> are going to make those plays? It I won't, have more it confidence won't affect, in Sturrs than Reyes. <laughs> well, but he's coming off what major knee surgery? He's 33, yeah. I want to guess. Older than 34, yeah. I think. So, yeah, I'm not overly confident. But I, second base is going to be a very intriguing story come spring because I think they're going to give Devin Travis a shot to make mm-hmm. the team. Well, that's from what we've heard from Bernie Pleskoff. He said, it, "Yeah, they're going to give him a shot." Um, 
you know, they've got Asturias there. They've got they've got um, Goins. Danny Valencia can play second. Tullison's obviously still around. There, there's a lot of 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 pieces. Similar to the bullpen. You know, they might not be five win pieces, but they're hopefully major league average. Is that what we're, <laughs> is that what we're shooting for a second? Well, you can shoot for a little higher. You zero war. Yeah. Slightly above replacement level. I think we should shoot for slightly above rela- replacement <laughs> level. But like someone said, you, you know, hopefully we're just going to bury them in the nine hole and one through yeah. eight are going to do all the damage. Yeah. It's just like having a pitcher come up. But Pompeii is still another question mark, so it might not even no! be one through eight. <laughs> yeah. Might be one through seven or fingers, one through six. Fingers crossed, yeah. Did you want to get to a few of these interviews? Yeah. You're itching to, to play these for the people? Let's do it. Well, yeah, we're <laughs> itching to see how f- stupid I sound talking to Major League Baseball players, but sure, why not? <laughs> You're all uh, starry-eyed as you were doing these? Yeah, as I've said numerous times before, I'm a fan, first and foremost, <laughs> you know. Um, so it was kind of cool, even though I'm double the age of half these guys to uh, <laughs> to interview them in purpose and and to see like Marcus Stroman is not a tall guy he really <laughs> isn't and a funky haircut aside um, like Aaron Sanchez you can see why why people saw him and like wow look at that body you know he's yeah. just long and lean and he looks very much like a pitcher where Stroman is so it's kind of cool just like to his see dad, right? he's, in he's a person bulldog. yeah <laughs> you know the, the physical nature because you can't really see that on TV yeah same with Drew. He's a big, he's a pretty big dude, man. Um, like I remember, I, I saw Brett Cecil in a, a a night establishment after a Mariners game a few <laughs> years back, and he was huge. This is yeah. before he lost. Like I m- remember, one off season he went on a a, a regime because he was getting so big. Like he was chubby, big, or was he? Well, big, no, big? huge, big, but with a bit of yeah. So it's, it, you yeah. looked around his midsection, it wasn't. It wasn't a six pack, yeah. but like his back was humongous. I was like, "Holy!" Shit. I find when you see these guys in person, it's it's almost underwhelming because you have this superhuman view of them yeah. in your mind. And well, I, when I covered the Jays for that couple of games, I saw Jesse Carlson in the dressing room. He was the skinniest friggin', you know, his arms were like like a railing. Like it was just unbelievable how skinny he was. Yeah, and this guy's no, a no, major no, league no, baseball. Like, yeah, pitcher. Russell Martin just looks like an average <laughs> guy. You know, he's. I think the pitchers are more so different because yeah. you get the weird fluctuating tall to you know yeah. Strowmans or whatever. But most of the hitters, they're they're not as big as you you know you expect them to have these giant you know yeah I mean, muscles. Like I remember Jose Bautista a couple of years ago yeah. picked a tweet picked a um, a shot of him on vacation and it was like yeah people honestly think this guy's on steroids yeah you yeah. know he's a rake yeah. and I'm sure Josh Donaldson's not all that big either so it's just interesting like we said to. Uh, to see them up close and yeah. get an off topic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which one do you want to do first? Here we got Stroman, Sanchez, Martin's a long one, so I think we'll leave that for the end. And Hutchison is the other one. Well, let's do let's do Hutch first. Listen to Hutch. What did you talk about with him? Mainly uh, the first question was I didn't I didn't have him that long. Um, but Tommy John, you know how does he feel like he's he was hundred percent last year, or or is this going to be the year? So. All right, it's Charlie Kasky from a few days ago with Drew Hutchison of the Toronto Blue Jays. Here with Drew Hutchison. Um, last year, first year off Tom John, do you feel like you were back to 100% or do you think this year is maybe the year that you're going to regain full strength? Yeah, I felt good last year. I felt like I got stronger as the year went on. I got those innings under my belt. Um, I don't think there's any substitute for, for time on the mound. Um, you know, when you're out for as long as I was with the, the surgery rehabbing, or, you know, it's it's you can do all the simulation, all the rehab you want, but until you're in that situation, you know, it's not nothing's really the same. So I think that, that just getting that mound time back and getting back on the mound for a full 32 starts, I think 
it's only going to help. And then, you know, having a full off season for the first time in a while this year yeah. to just, just train and, and get stronger um, is, is definitely going to help leading into this season also. Speaking of leading into the season, obviously there's quite a few of the younger guys. You're still a young guy yourself at 24. You know, there's quite a few Tommy Johns throughout the organization. When you go to spring training, when you go to Dunedin, do you think you'll be able to not hand down, but provide a bit of wisdom for Tom and Roberto and Jeff and all those guys that are going through the process right now? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's one of those things where every one of them is different. Where, yeah. But I can, I can give them, uh, the, you know, more of the insight into the mental aspect of it. Because that's the toughest part is, you know, the physical the physical part's obviously not easy, but it's more the mental part that, you know, no matter what you can do, there's nothing you can do. You're going to be done at 12 o'clock that day. There's nothing more else you can do, and then you have nothing to do the rest of the day for, you know, eight months. And, really? and that, that's tough. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I would be more than happy to, you know, answer any questions they have or, you know, anything like that for sure. And with the injury, I mean, nobody, you know, you can't read anything that, you know, any predetermined factors that go into it. But if you, have you taken more of an interest in sort of the biomechanical side of your emotion since the injury or you just figure it was one of those things and you're I mean, going with y- what you Yes know? and no. Um, you know, you can't predict injuries, you know, it's just the nature of the beast that's going to happen. Um, unfortunately, it happened to me. Uh, I'm over it, and I was over it the year last year, and, you know, I believe I'm over it, so, you know, I'm looking for it this year. Yeah. What do you, I mean, I know it's hard probably to goal set, but do you have, you set any goals for the upcoming season? Coming off what was a very good season, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the things that never change are to take the ball every five days and make every one of your starts, and if I do that and pitch the way I'm capable of, I think I can accomplish some things, which, you know, I have my goals, but that's really the only ones I, I talk about. But, um, you know, that's first and foremost is to, to take the ball over five days and give our team a chance to win every time I'm out there. Now, you missed out on the Vancouver experience by a season, I guess. Yeah. What have you heard about, about Vancouver? What are these guys talking yeah, about? Is this the, your first time? Sorry yeah, it's my fir- first time here. So yeah. uh, we just got in last night, but uh, heard great things about it. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of the city. And there was Charlie Kasky with Drew Hutchison of the Toronto Blue Jays talking about uh, his little Tommy John surgery and his comeback. I don't know. He wasn't uh, happy, I guess. <laughs> He felt like he was 100% last year, and he didn't really, I don't know if he took oh, offense to your yeah. question or not. No, I don't think he did. I mean, <laughs> he was just a, um, he was a quieter guy, you know. I don't think he took a, took offense at all. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of what you're going to get, and bear in mind, I haven't been in the rec- reporting game very long. I was very much a blogger <laughs> who, who somehow got credentials. Um, you know, you, you get... Cliched answer, as simple as that. You know, he's mm-hmm. probably heard that question a hundred times. I, I, I really, you know, I try and come up with sort of fresh questions, especially when it relates to metrics. But as we'll see in one of the, the other interviews, you can ask these guys, you know, kind of more modern metric, and they they don't give a shit. You know, they don't care. <laughs> all they, all they, I all like say, that better though. Like, I don't want the players reading into their in-depth stats. Yeah, so all they're going to say is, I want to make my 35 starts. I want to help the team win. I want to do this. I want to do that. Unless so it's, it's something very useful, like, like you know, if they're swinging at an outrageous number of, you know, a certain pitch, or if they can use it for, you know, helping them come with a better game plan. You know, you yeah, put it uh, in that context. Well, no, I them. should have asked, and I didn't realize, um, which is me not doing my research. I think I read it on Andrew Stoughton's new, new website, andrewstoughton.com. But he mentioned... And he was mentioning someone else's stats, but, you know, left-handers smashed Hutchinson around a bit last year, so I would have liked to have talked to him, especially as it pertains to what we'll have with Marcus Stroman. You know, has he got a plan going into spring this year to do something different with left-handers, or is he just going to try the same thing, which, as Ari Dickey said the other day when he quoted uh, Einstein, 
what's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing right. over and over again and expecting different results. You know, so I, I really, I really wish I'd sort of gotten in a bit more in depth. But as I explained to you prior to coming on air, and we'll see with this Sanchez interview, sometimes best intentions don't really come to fruition when you're standing there with a microphone and trying <laughs> to answer, listen and ask questions. Yeah. Sometimes the, the questions. Than done. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I'm, I'm going to tone it down this year. When we talk about Buck Martinez and Pat Tabler, <laughs> you know, I've got my fingers well, crossed. Someone with that kind of job, you you know, you're supposed to be trained and you know. True. I never went uh, to journalism school. Yeah. Or broadcast school. So Neither yeah. did Buck Martinez, but he also has <laughs> the, the highest uh, job in the the country in terms of baseball announcing. Yeah. But, uh, we won't. Speaking get of which, I've got a funny. Jamie Campbell was there, and I have a mm-hmm. funny story if we have time. But we'll get the interviews first. Okay. Do you want to do Sanchez now? Yeah, let's do Sanchez, okay. and this is. Just to intro it, I had him on my own for about two questions, and then a bunch of people ran up, so you'll hear other people, or maybe someone else did ask the first questions, I can't remember. But I froze on Sanchez. <laughs> I had a couple of other questions I want to ask him about his mechanics, and you know, the AFL last year when the internet exploded, when Keith, I think it was Keith Law mentioned that he looks a lot more upright, he hates it, you know, it's going to be more prone to injury. I wanted to talk about that and, and how his mechanics are evolving. I forgot. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I just I cramped up, brain freeze. Um, you get so, that here on the show every once in a while as well. Every once, every show, <laughs> I have at least one brain freeze. So, all right. Well, let's get to it now. It's from the Vancouver Canadians hot stove luncheon. It's Charlie Kasky and Blue Jays pitcher Aaron Sanchez. What do you remember most about the city and also the um, team as well? I feel like uh, when I was here, I was only here for a short amount of time, um, and I was on the road for much of it. But when I got here, just the fans. I mean. You know, I came from Bluefield, West Virginia, you know what I mean? So being able to pitch in front of 5,000 at Nat, you know, on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon, it was pretty awesome. And how about the team as a whole, like, what impact? Back then? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were good. We were all really good friends. I mean, we came up together. Uh, a lot of the guys that were here had already left, so I was kind of yeah. behind, you know, Nicolino and Syndergaard when they were here, so I was kind of the back end of it. But, yeah, our team was fun. We had a, we had a blast. You know, I know I remember... It took took the very last day for us to get into the to the playoffs and then we ended up winning. So it was fun. Yeah. As a 22-year-old, you have to sometimes pinch yourself that you're so quickly. Uh, I mean it's surreal, but this is what I've always wanted to do. You know what I mean? So I don't see myself. You know, you don't really have time to look. Just take a step back and look at it. Um, this is my job. This is what this is what I do. You know. So. What's your mindset for this season? Is it, uh, Going, going into the year starter or yeah. you know, bullpen if necessary, that you just put more space and want to do whatever. Yeah, my, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm ready. I'm getting in shape to make 35 starts this year. And if that changes, they'll let me know. But it's my mentality right now is going to just try to strike. I think we all remember the curveball you threw in Montreal to, uh, for that final strikeout. Yeah. But when you came back up, you're throwing your two-seamer like 88% of the time. Yeah. Was that just because of the role or you found a pitch that you fell in love with and then if you do start 35 times next year... I mean, honestly, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you whether it's... Uh, I know me and Navi, we, we, we were on the same page the whole, the, whole, the whole time I was there. It was one of those things where it's, if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know what I mean? And I was having success with all my two-seam. And when I got into situations where I did throw my curveball, I mean, obviously, I, I, I made it. I did. You know, I did throw my curveball, but... It was one of those things where we didn't really need to throw anything else but what I was doing, so we kind of just stuck with it. How much will Russell Martin help this team? Oh, huge. I mean, 
I heard a crazy stat just a second ago. He's been in the big leagues for nine years, and seven of those nine years he's made it to the playoffs. So, you know, his leadership and, and what he what he's about, uh, bringing his game to, to Toronto and, and around the, the, the large group of guys we got is going to be phenomenal. Did you get excited from afar in the offseason when you see the types of moves that are made? I mean, this yeah. team has made splashes in the past offseason. So this is your first time sort of being with the club. Yeah, exactly. This is the first time actually being with the club. So it's exciting. I mean, it's just real here just being, <laughs> being in front of them. Um, but yeah, I think everybody's excited for, for the additions that we got. On the tour so far, what's kind of stuck out in your mind of uh, things you'll remember? Um, I think really much all of it. It's been a pretty fun trip. Obviously, I, I love the children's hospital visits. Those are always, that was always something I like to like to do. So that's probably one of the biggest things. Banff was awesome. You know, I never really get to come to Canada for us to get to see that side of it. Mother Nature is pretty awesome. Let's go back to the bullpen versus starting thing. There's been talk about the bullpen on this team. Do you pay attention with that because to that sort of those moves because it directly affects possibly where you? I mean, no, up? not really. Uh, like I said, I try to stay away from that in the offseason. They're going to make the decision they're going to make. You know what I mean? I'm here to do whatever it takes. You know, this team has a chance to win a lot of ball games, and that means me pitching at the back end of the, of the bullpen makes this team win more games, and that's, that's what I'm going to do. One of Russell's strengths is his pitch framing, especially lower in the zone. You, you know, with the sinker that you picked up last year, have you spoken to him much so far? No, we haven't really talked. I met him yesterday for the first time, actually at dinner. So I was very briefly here this morning. Obviously, we were talking to the media. I haven't really gotten a chance to sit down and talk to him. But I'm sure there will come a point in time where we sit down and actually talk about it, whether it be with me and Pete, the pitching coaches, whether it's just me and myself. I'm sure that conversation will come up for sure. And, you know, you were brought along quite slowly. They weren't hyper-aggressive with you. You know, you had a leaner frame. Um, how are you training? Are you training any differently to make 35 starts this year as, no, your, as your goal is? No, I don't think anything's different. Uh, the training that, that I've done in the past is going to be the same thing I'm doing this year to get ready for the year. Yeah. The rest of the first impression for the first. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys heard that yet. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we seen him when we first walked in, so we made a made a point to go say hello and ourselves. And by the time it was time to go, you know, they told us to take care of us. So that's pretty awesome. There's Charlie Kasky and a group of reporters with Aaron Sanchez of the Toronto Blue Jays. Worst reporters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Very inexperienced one. He, he kept sort of uh, he kept sort of cutting me off, didn't he? Every time I said, oh, I don't really know. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it was it's... actually, it was funny when during the luncheon they did uh, what they called a fireside chat with Rob Fay emceeing and they, uh, they played a, a game, what would Russell say? And, and er, excuse me, Aaron um, Sanchez was actually quite funny. He is, he has a, he has a, I don't know how to describe the sense of humor, but he, he could laugh at himself and it was interesting because, you know, in that in the interview, it's, he was very straight laced. He didn't show a lot of personality. Mm-hmm. you know, when we were there. Um, so it was kind of neat to see him, his personality come out a bit more when they were doing this sort of the, the group <laughs> thing, the luncheon thing. But, yeah, it's, I mean, I could I could spend the next half an hour arguing why Sanchez should be in the, the starting rotation next year. I don't think we need to get into it too much. We already know my opinion. I think he provides far more value as a starter than as a reliever, but... And this is another thing from Anthopolis's radio uh, hit the other night. He kept mentioning Sanchez and bullpen in the same <laughs> sentence, and it just scares me. It really, really does. If that's how he makes the team, though, I would much rather have him as the closer than down in AAA. No, I wouldn't. I'd rather have him in AAA as a starter mm-hmm. because a starter will get injured, and then he mm-hmm. can come back up as a starter. Okay. He provides far, far, far more value as a starter. 
Even if he spends 75% of the year down in the minors? He's not. Someone's <laughs> going to get into it. How many pitchers did the Blue Jays use last year? How many pitchers did they use the, the year before? I mean, you don't want Liam Hendricks starting seven I don't want Liam Hendricks. I don't want Francis. <laughs> I don't want... Who else have they signed? Oh, Ramon Ortiz? No. no. I don't want any of these guys. You know, I, I think... I'm I hope, Oka, I think his name was thrown out now. Um, <laughs> oh, who's the other Canadian that they've got? Albers. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, I want Dan Norris to be the sixth starter. I want him in Buffalo, um, stretched out as a starter, and then he'll be the first call. Mm-hmm. When someone will inevitably go down, hopefully not with, you know, Tommy John surgery or something like that, but someone will inevitably miss a start for whatever reason. And those these are the guys that, you know, we should be calling up. And then in turn, or in time, Roberto Asuno, you know, who knows, Miguel Castro, it sounds like he's going to be a bullpen piece. Hoffman's thrown off the mound already. You know, he's not in the in the realm of possibility for 2015, mm-hmm. but these are the guys that need to be developing as, as starters. You know, you're like, talking like if you go to the bullpen, you're going to be banished there for life. Like, it's just one season. But, half a season. <laughs> but if if what we saw last year, he can carry, and, and I know I'm I'm stretching a bit here to say that, you know, the 33 innings he threw last year as a reliever can be kind of, we can equate that as to what he's going to do as a starter. Of course we can't. But he was very, very good in his role last year. If he can do that for six, seven innings of games, he, he'd be excellent. He'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I get really annoyed, and I just <laughs> I don't see how people can't see the fact that he'd be far more valuable. Yeah, and I know someone over at Blue Jays Plus made the argument of him being like a two to three inning reliever, so 120 inning a year mm-hmm. reliever. You know, and that would also help him kind of keep his innings total up for the year, mm-hmm. which would then mean the following year he could he wouldn't be because if he, if he closes this year, say. And he throws, what, 60, 70 innings? And then they say, right, in 2015 when Burley, sorry, 16 when Burley's gone, Ari Dickey has an option. Mm-hmm. I I mean, most people that I read say, oh, it's given that they're going to pick up that option. Mm-hmm. Really? Is it? I know it's reasonably cheap, mm-hmm. but he'll be 105 or whatever he'll be. He hasn't <laughs> really been all that valuable. This year kind of makes or breaks it, I think. Yeah, so... If those two guys were to go, and all of a sudden they're like, shit, we need Sanchez to start next year. Oh, crap, he only threw 70 innings last year. What do we do? And what do they do? You you can't have him throw 200 the the year after. Well, you could, and hope his arm doesn't explode. But what if they used him in a role similar to what the Yankees were doing with Dellen Batances? Because I remember last year there was a couple times where, more than a couple times, where the the starter would exit the game and Batances would come out for the next two innings, and it's like, oh. Jesus, we got to face this guy now. Like, how are we going to do anything? We're not going to generate any offense. You had a guy like that in your bullpen, not necessarily at the end of the bullpen, in the closing role. I know what you're saying, saying, but what if instead of coming out of the bullpen for two innings and other teams like, oh, shit, you know, we got to see this guy. He went from innings one through seven, and the other team was like, oh, crap, do we have to face (laughs) this guy? I have to go up against this guy again. It's different, though. It's different. It's not different. If If he's this good, which I think he is, I'd rather see him go run mow through hitters three times rather than once. You don't know if he can succeed as a starter, though. No, but we need to try. We need to find out. Look at Dustin McGowan last year. Horrendous oh, as a starter. God. Yeah, but come on. It's a different way of pitching. You have to have a completely different But he's done it setup. all his entire career. Yes, but that's in the minor leagues. So? What's the difference? <laughs> You're facing his, different, his walk rate was caliber. high, and everybody... and I mean, I, Anthopolis did talk about this on the radio hit. You know... 
I guess he's, his last couple starts in Buffalo, he was getting on top of the ball more. Mm-hmm. He was keeping it down more, which then we saw when he came up with his. And I guess he went to Gibby and said, oh, he'd be our best starter right now. If you feel that strongly, then start him. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I, I'm really, really... I, I mean, I shouldn't get worked up about it because who knows? I mean, Anthopolis, <laughs> we all know Anthopolis kind of will is never really going to say anything that is 100% factual mm-hmm. when he does these radio hits. He's not going to tell you what he's got up his sleeve. So. I think it's a fun year because if it is Anthopolis's make-or-break season, we're going to see a lot of guys moving up and around and just into whatever role they need them in to win now, Yeah, which we haven't seen in the last decade, really. Well, we've seen how creative he can be on the trading market. Yeah. Um, but has he really moved guys into roles that, you know, constitute winning now rather than looking towards the future? Because well, that, yeah. that, that would scream, you know, the Sanchez and the bullpen thing would scream, you know, maybe he's not ready to start now, but we need him in this in this lineup right now, and the bullpen is the place for that guy to be. Whether it hinders his development or not, he needs to be there. Well, if if you put Sanchez in the, in the bullpen, then you're you're saying Dan Norris is the fifth starter. Yep. So you're saying a guy that's a year younger with a year less pro experience, or maybe even two years? I'd have to look at it. Um, less pro experience, who went through, started last year in the Florida State League, is going to be your your fifth starter. He so it's good. not exactly a win-now philosophy, is it? If they went out and signed James Shields, who, uh, you know, it's neither here nor there for me. If, if they got him at the right price, sure, why not? But th- I could see that being a win-now. Okay, we've got this guy. Let's put Sanchez in the bullpen. Mm. But to put Sanchez in the bullpen so that Dan Norris can start, and that's what he said in, in the interview, like, oh, well, maybe Dan Norris beats him out of spring training. We think that's entirely feasible. And obviously you read a lot of the prospect pe- you know, prospect pieces this offseason. A lot of people are absolutely in love with Dan Norris. Yeah. That's fine. I'm in love with Dan Norris. <laughs> but for me, and I got into an argument with someone the other day, I was always on the Dan Norris bandwagon. I, I never jumped off when he yeah. struggled in Vancouver and then I can vouch the for that. first half of the season in Lansing. So for me, like, why would people who are coming back on the Dan Norris bandwagon, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, he's a left-handed guy, they had mechanical issues, you have to stay patient. Why would the people say that and then say, oh, uh, you know what, Sanchez is, I think the person that I was speaking to said he, he's like Billy Koch Mark II. Like, why, why <laughs> would you say that? Why would you say, oh, you have to be patient with one guy and then f- say the other guy who's... Whatever he is, six foot four, 200 pounds, still growing, has an unbelievably bowling ball of a sinking fastball. Has We've seen a plus curve. Why would you then say, oh, he's a bullpen piece? You know, he's had, we've seen it over the years, he's had mechanical issues as well. He's had a problem repeating his delivery. Mm-hmm. Why not let him work on it? If it's a, a, a bust, then fine. <laughs> But he he's needs to be given the opportunity. And I, I, get, I suppose that's what spring training is all about. That's right. And they're going to give him the opportunity to start. I just hope, 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 hope that it doesn't turn into a situation where he's throwing well as a starter. Some of these guys that they brought in to be in the bullpen struggle initially. And like, oh, shit, panic stations. Sanchez, sorry, you got to go to the bullpen because Marco Estrada is struggling right now. <laughs> you know, in spring training, yeah. we're not going to even countenance the fact that he might find his way. Yeah. Or Delabar doesn't bounce back. Yeah, exactly. That would be the frustration for me. If they start Sanchez and he struggles, fine. But, you know, if they, if they, to win now, and as you say, Delabar or, you know, Brett Cecil is given the closer's job and he, and he struggles a bit, um, they think, oh crap, we've got to, we've got to change something now. 
let's let's move this about move Sanchez. That would be annoying to me. And then you get all the fans. Oh look, the the Jays at the. It's a cluster bleep already. Yeah, I'm gonna, that happens sorry, at the I'm start of the crack year. a beer here. I'm getting all oh. fired up. My face is yep. getting red. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Good job, Charlie. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, speaking of starters, though, the future number one starter of the Toronto Blue Jays, and, and in all reality, he probably is their number one starter going into this season, um, considering the, uh, I'm not going to say domination, but considering the second half of the season he had last season. Um if I was to pick the opening day starter, it would be um, Marcus Stroman. I was going to think that as well. And it won't be, but... It's a, it's a good segue to the man that you interviewed next. Yes. It is Marcus Stroman. You talked with him a little bit longer. Uh, he's actually a pretty good interview. He's a, he's a talkative little guy. Well, he started off slow because um, <laughs> our, our province.com um, colleague, Steve Ewan, had him for quite a bit before I got him, so I think he was just a bit blah to start but then yeah he got into the interview so uh yeah and he's he's a very likable fun guy i i heard him like i mentioned the interview i heard him on sid sixero tim and sid show the day before two days before um talkative guy um obviously loves his job does nothing but smile (laughs) um and yeah height doesn't measure heart you remember that patented that just like johnny (laughs) hockey (laughs) All right, well, here's Charlie's interview with the one and only Marcus Stroman. Here with Marcus Stroman. I heard you on uh, Sid Sixero's show yesterday, the day before, when you guys yep. were in BAM. So you answered a lot of the, the questions that I probably had. Um, just a couple of things. I, I was in on a Twitter conversation you were having a while ago where someone mentioned that your FIP, fielding independent pitching, was uh, quite strong, mm-hmm. uh, especially the second half. Um, and then someone asked you if you even bother with FIP, and I think you laughed and said, no, not at all. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, as a younger guy, mm. with the metrics there are in pitching these days, is there anything of, of the more advanced nature of statistics that you look at and say, actually, no, if I improve that next year, you know? Uh, Honestly, no. I don't, no? I don't put much into, into those high-end statistics at all. Uh, obviously, <clears throat> at the end of the day, it's, I'm just trying to take the ball, go seven, eight innings, put my team in position to win every single time. So um, kind of everything else is kind of outside factor. But... I mean, if they're good, they're good, you know what I mean? But it's not something that I'm ever paying uh, that close of attention to. Um, I'm just worried about getting wins with, for the Blue Jays. Um, speaking of which, from middle of June onward last year, mm-hmm. your two-seamer sinker yeah. usage went up incredibly to mm-hmm. where you're throwing it 55% of the time or something like that. Um, you know, I read that it was you were messing around with the ball, found a grip that you liked. Is there anything going into this season that you're thinking, you know, this could be a pitch that I'll, I'm going to up the usage for next year, something that you're specifically going to work on? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely throw it a lot more. Um, I never had a two-seamer my first 23 years of my life. Uh, just a pitch that was never comfortable for me, never found, and literally I just was playing with the ball, found a grip one day, um, started throwing it mid-season last year, and it was unbelievable. Um, and honestly, it changed the, the pitcher that I am uh, completely. I went from being a high strikeout, high homer guy, like in the minors, to, to being a guy who I used to never make it out of the sixth inning, seventh inning in the minors because I used to throw so many pitches um, and I used to have high K totals and now I'm going seven, eight, nine because I have that pitch. It allows me to keep the ball on the ground, allows me to get double plays, allows me to get early big contact. So it literally revolutionized me as a pitcher. I went from being one pitcher, now I'm the complete opposite. Now I'm a ground ball pitcher rather than being a fly ball pitcher. Now I'm a contact guy rather than being a strikeout guy. So it's, it's still, I'm still adjusting to the pitcher that I've become, but um, obviously I'd rather go nine innings and go five innings with 12 strikeouts, you know what I mean? So that's the goal. 
But speaking of being a ground ball pitcher, the new turf coming in soon, I guess, is meant to be slower. They keep saying it's going to be slower. Do you, do yeah. you care about that? Or is that, I mean, obviously, as a ground ball pitcher, it should help you. Yeah, I mean, I don't put too much into it. I mean, when you start thinking about too many things like that, you can kind of get away from your game. But obviously, like you said, uh, if it's slower, if, I, if I'm throwing my sinker pretty well, it's going to keep it on the ground. And hopefully, it's, uh, it's going to limit the amount of ground balls I get through holes. So uh, anything that, that, that kind of goes into it, um, I kind of try and stay away from. But obviously, if it helps, it helps. And uh, just if that's the case, you got to keep the ball on the ground. So just stay in the, in the bottom half of the zone and, and execute some pitches. Um, I used to chat with Jim Sikowski, who's coming back this year, yep. uh, when he was here. And he, he would always laugh because we'd talk about you. Um, and he said, you know, we, we just couldn't come together on what pitches he was throwing. He'd call it, Marcus would call it a cutter. I'd call it a slider. Yeah. You know, what, what, how did you designate what pitches you were throwing? And, and how did, I mean, how does it not drive with what a pitching coach is saying? Yeah, I've been pretty unique, you know what I mean? Um, I've been with, obviously, plenty of pitching, pitching coaches throughout my whole life, but I've stayed pretty unique to myself, and I haven't let people change me. Because, um, obviously, I'm small. I'm 5'8". I feel like I'm able to get the most out of my body doing things the way that I know how to do. And I've always been one to throw a lot of pitches. I throw five, six pitches. I throw the cutter, slider, curveball. Um, but, I mean, it's... Everyone's always like, why do you do throw so many pitches, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, if it's another weapon, why not You know, why not be able to use it? So um, something that I've always had a good feel with is spinning pitches. And like you said, uh, some people might call it a cutter, slider, curveball. Um, but there's a distinct difference between all three spinning pitches. And I know on the Timmy Sid, on the radio show, you said that your workout program hasn't changed since you were 14, mm -hmm. you know, back at home. But I'm guessing, and sorry, excuse my ignorance here, but that was the most amount of innings you've thrown in a year this past season. Was there anything at the end of the season where you, you felt tired and run down? And, I feel like I could throw another 100 innings. Um, fantastic. I put a lot into the preparation, you know what I mean? I work hard. I don't work just like a pitcher. Um, I have to do more. I realize that because, I'm, because I am undersized. And obviously the first thing people are going to say is he can't with, with withhold 200 innings. But it's not like I'm a skinny little guy, you know, I put yeah. together pretty well. Um, so I can, I can go out there and throw 200 innings year after year. Uh, that's the goal, and I, that's something I truly believe in myself that I can do. What's, what's the atmosphere like now? Because, I mean, I mean, you still have R.A. there and Mark, but then you, hopefully Aaron's a starter, Drew, Dan Norris, who's in a van by the river right now. All young guys, Is it? I mean, were you, did you all get to know each other a bit? I know you and Aaron are quite close, but, you know, is it a bit of, you know, you guys fraternize more with each other, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're obviously, like I said, we're the younger guys, you know what I mean? Um, Hutch is 24, I'm 23, Aaron's 22, Norris is 22. Um, so anytime you can be around guys, obviously, in, in the big leagues at, at your age, it's pretty special because that doesn't happen often. So um, we're just enjoying it. You know, we're working hard. We're enjoying the ride. Um, there's no pressure. You know, I mean, we're not we're not putting any added pressure on ourselves. We're going out there. We're having fun, and obviously, we're around guys: Russell Martin, Josh Donaldson, Batista, Reyes. You know what I mean? We're around unbelievable guys who are the best in the game. So we're just trying to learn every single day. Anything that these guys have to offer us, we take. Um, you know what I mean? My ears are always open. I'm always picking the brains of every single body in the, in, in the clubhouse, barely. Like Martin, I can't I can't wait to pitch Martin. You know what I mean? It's When I heard that, I was ecstatic. I called my dad right away. I was like, this is, this is unbelievable. Because you hear nothing but unbelievable things about him. So um, I'm excited. Well, he's one of the best pitch framers in the game. And yeah. the, the all most, around, yeah. Yeah, all around, but you know, his low strike ability is, yep. is, is second to none. And you now working with that sinker, it should be 
And with Aaron, you know, a match made in heaven. Yes. Have you had much chance? I know you guys just got in last night. Did Russell get in last night? Have you had much chance to speak to him yet? Just this morning. Yeah. yeah the first time I met him. Actually, last night, we actually, I, I went to dinner with, uh, me and Aaron went to dinner. Um, and he was actually there with his uh, girlfriend, I believe. And we went to leave and he actually ended up paying for our dinner. So it was, you know what I mean? Just a gesture like that that shows you kind of signed kind of a massive contract. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I had never met him before. Yeah, literally, true. I just went in, like said hi, introduced myself to him at dinner, sat down and had dinner. And then right. the waiter came over and was like, hey, he took care of it. So it's, it's pretty special. Fantastic. <laughs> what a nice guy, that Russell Martin. <laughs> it was funny, uh, not only that, but um, Roberto Alomar, when they he did his kind of one-on-one chat during the lunch with Rob Faye, they were auctioning, oh no, they had a 50-50 draw, sorry, for autographed jerseys from mm-hmm. all the players, including Roberto Alomar. And they were all, it was their blues that they were auctioning off, but they were all wearing their whites. And Alomar said, well, hang on, let's raise a bit more money. Let's do a, an auction right now for this white one off my back and I'll oh. sign it. And uh, whenever it started to slow down, Russell Martin stuck his hand up. So whether he was actually willing to pay for the, well, obviously <laughs> he'd pay for the jersey, but you know whether he was doing that just to uh, to get it or... I think probably more likely to keep the uh, keep the auction <laughs> rolling along. He probably would have paid for it though if he. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> would have paid for it. Um, um, and when they did the fireside chat uh, or sort of the game, what would Russell say? I think the question was along the lines of "Who is your favorite Blue Jay growing up?" And they all put hashtag HOF uh, twelve. <laughs> um, so yeah, Martin was, and as we'll see from the interview upcoming, he he was a great guy. You know, he was he was trying to accommodate everybody. Um, you know, before I got to interview him, some TV people did him, and they they mucked up their their conclusion, their final couple of questions. Eh, no worries, I'll do it again. Let's go. Um, picked up those guys at dinner. You know, yeah. kind of, you know, like Mark Burley. I think bought them all suits last year when they went to New York. Yep. He took them to their tailor. So, you know, again, this this whole kind of clubhouse narrative during the off season, and I will will hear it. I ask Martin about it. Um. But you can already see from the off that, it, I don't know, maybe I'm drawing too many conclusions from one lunch. But they're all, they all seem kind of in awe of him a bit. Like, you know, here's this guy that's been in the playoffs six of the last nine years or seven or whatever. He's bought us dinner. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's a great hitter. He's catch and throw. He's a great, you know, pitch framer. You'd be surprised if getting off on the right foot makes a, yeah, makes a big difference. Yeah, exactly. And and as we'll hear from Martin, you know, he said, uh, you know, I've been in clubhouses that have been really good, and I've been in clubhouses that have been not so good, and I've won in both of them. So yeah. I'm not sure if that's, <laughs> you know, the, the pre-determining the determining factor. But I'll tell you this, it's a lot more fun going to work. And bear in mind, these guys have to go to work 162 times in 180 days oh, or whatever. them. Yeah. They go play baseball 162 exactly, times. Exactly, but... <laughs> you know, if if you don't like the guys that you're going in the clubhouse and you're in these guys' hip pockets, not only in the yeah. clubhouse, but in the plane, on the bus, here, there, and everywhere, hotel, yeah. it would become a ball ache after a while. So <laughs> maybe it is going to have some sort of marginal differences to their play this year. Obviously, you know, talent's going to trump all. Right. But it does make a difference. It, I think it does. That's why Team Russia never wins at the Olympics. <laughs> or not. Maybe they do, a few times. Let's see, or is it Ovechkin's always drunk? <laughs> I saw that tweet from Luongo from the uh, the All-Star game. Uh, Katie Lawrence, my girlfriend, Blue Jay gal on Twitter, had a chance actually to talk to Martin as well when they came here to Richmond. Uh, she writes for the local Richmond paper here, and they were... What, are we going to start publishing everybody on this on this podcast? Well, now? it was her birthday, so I figured I I'd give her a shout-out. I didn't wish happy birthday, so I'll do it now. Happy birthday, Katie. <laughs> Uh, she was very impressed by how well-spoken Russell Martin was. So that was uh, 
good start for both people well, he's I know. Canadian, so that's all right. He's automatically just a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll uh, find out polite. exactly how nice he is. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, we talked about it with with you and when he came on. I I love the signing. Absolutely love it. I I'm starting to come around to the fact that not to the fact to liking more and more that that Navarro is still on the team. Because if, if he's still there, then you have a very capable backup catcher slash, you know, let's be honest, his bat's not good enough to be a full-time DH, but occasional DH, occasional first baseman if need be. There have been um, worse DHs in history. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, especially nowadays in the modern game, yeah. you know, there, there's been a lot worse DHs. Um, and then it gets Josh Tully off, off the roster. So hopefully, hopefully, not the three catcher and, and thing again. I, I, I broke down. I didn't want to ask about the knuckleball or the turf or this and that, but I did. Um, God, Charlie. Um, because yeah, obviously that's the narrative of the off season is is are you going to catch it? But you're paying this guy how X amount. I know it's only seven million this year, but you're paying him a lot of money. Didn't Navarro say the same thing last year though? He wanted to try. Yeah, all catchers want to think they can and catch Aaron the knuckleball. Sibio, well, Aaron we, we saw we it saw yeah, the, yeah. the results of that. I think I might be going out on a limb here, but I think Russell Martin's a slightly better defensive <laughs> catcher than J.P. Arancibia. No way. No. You just blew all the so, listeners' yeah. minds right And there. Uh, the fact that like Dickey isn't in a position now, if he was the full-time Cy Young award-winning ace, yeah, okay, maybe we'll give you a caddy. You're basically the third, fourth starter on the team. No. Shut your mouth. Throw your knuckleball. He's going to catch it. You're not worth the extra roster spot. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, let's listen to your longer-ish interview uh, with Russell Martin, the new catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. Here with Russell Martin. Um, Russell, I know I know you know because you've mentioned in press conferences before, but you know, advanced analytics, especially pitch framing for catchers, has come a long way. Yeah. And you rank right up there. Um, Thank you. And it's especially prevalent, it seems, lower in the zone where, where you get a lot of called strikes. You know, two of the guys that you're with here today are... are you know, advanced sinker ball pitchers. I think Aaron threw his two-seamer 88% of the time when he came up last year. Have you already started formulating a game plan, or are you just going to let it come when you when you guys are yeah up to, uh, <laughs> when you guys report? Yeah, it, it'll probably be more when we report. Uh, as far as like the receiving goes, I, I just have to, to spend you know the time in, in the bullpen and catching their, their sides. Uh, to, to get you know better at that aspect and, and to touch on he's brought a good point receiving I feel like the most important part of receiving is, is the low ball I mean that's for the most part if you can get the low pitch you get hitters to swing at low pitches you get more ground balls you get you know, these double plays and things of that nature so that's probably a good point I mean the most important part of the zone to, to receive well is down in the zone um, and uh, and if you have a sinker ball it's even more important because that's where they tend to live, you know, down in the zone. Um, yeah, well, Marcus upped his two. When he found his sinker ball, he started. He went from throwing it nothing to 55 percent of the time from June onwards. So, yeah. you know, both these guys are extreme sinker ball pitching. There's talk the new turf is going to be a bit slower, so it becomes even more prevalent. Now, speaking of turf, I hate to ask this, but this is going to be because I hate this whole topic. But this is going to be your first time playing on turf in quite some time, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, you've probably heard all the negative to- bias towards it. What do you have? You got any thoughts going in? Or are you just going to take it as it comes? Uh, really, I'm just going you know, to take it as it as it goes. Really, uh, and and the, the the good thing about my job is I'm I'm on the dirt for the most part. Um, 
I think guys kind of feel it more when they're playing in the outfield and they spend you know, the whole you know, nine innings uh, or more on turf throughout a long season. It can kind of wear you down. Um, I think the turf back in the day was probably even worse than it is now. Now it's a bit softer. It has a bit more give to it. Um, but uh, I remember I played, I played a few games on turf and, and feel, I feel like I run faster on the turf. So that's that's a positive, you know. So I do too. I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have yeah. to see how my body feels, you know, and, and I'll just adjust, listen to my body and, and do, what it, do what I need to do for it to feel good. Um, I know you've probably spoken about the knuckleball quite a bit. For me, you know, obviously you're going to try and catch it, and you said, if I can't do it at start, I'll just keep working until I can do it. Yeah. Equipment-wise, it's a different glove. Yeah. Do you just take something off the rack, or do you get you go to your glove maker and say, right, we need to, we need to do this, 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 and get something really custom-made for you? For, for the last couple of years, I've been using Rawlings. I'm just going to order a Rawlings glove and, and break it in real nice. Uh, I think Dickie carries his own glove around. Um, but, you know, just I like having my own my own glove and, and breaking it in the way I want to. And, um, but definitely, it's going to be a completely different glove. Um, you need a little bit more room for error because you're not going to square the ball in the middle of the glove as much. Um, but the key is to catch it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the framing, all that goes out the window, you know, when you're catching a knockball. You just want to make sure you catch the ball, keep it in front of you. And, um, yeah, that's it. If you try to make it look good, that's when you, you, you know, you make mistakes happen. Yeah. Is there anything different as far as the catch and throw technique when you're trying to catch a knuckle? Do you set up differently than you would normally for a, a guy throwing 95? Uh, well, I think, I mean, I think so. Um, I seen Mir Mirabelli back in the day when he was catching uh, Wakefield. They, they have more of a, like, they're, they're more... It's not staggered. I guess they're a little bit more staggered towards the mound. You know, it's kind of opening up their, their right shoulder towards first base a bit more. And it kind of gives them more room to, and it keeps their knee out of the way, you know. So, so really, you're just giving yourself more room to catch the ball. And then from there, it's going to be the same footwork, um, just from a different starting point. Um, and, you know, it'll be something I have to work on just to transfer from the different glove and, and that, that stuff. But, you know, I've... I've done it so many times in my life, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty, it's registered in, in the mind um, and it's not going to be that much of a difference where it's not like I'm facing, you know, the stands and then I have to go and throw a ball to second base. You're still pretty much in the same setup. Yeah. Um, I still stay in contact with some of the catchers that have been through Vancouver and, and they always say to me, you know, when they go to full, full spring training for the first time rather than just extended they don't realize how much you know meat catchers are because all they're doing is catching size. You know they don't they don't get to get in the cage as much as any, everybody else. For you, what what's your role? And this is personally of interest for me. Like, will you be catching just the major league guys' sides, or, or do you kind of go down and, and take a look at some of the younger guys as well? Um, Offer any advice? You know, stuff that you can you maybe pass on. For for, for the most part, um, I, I stick with the big league guys. And, uh, you know, and right now, like it's, it's, it's the learning process of, yeah. of learning all the guys going to have to catch during the year. So like my focus is going to be on being as comfortable as I possibly can um, with those guys in spring training. And you know, there's always guys that are, you know, you have a better feel with, and then there's guys who who have you know like a heavier sinker or, or tighter breaking balls that you need to see a little bit more. So as, as I go along, I'm going to have the guys that I feel comfortable with, that I know that I'm going to be okay with, and then guys who I feel like I need a bit more work with, I'm going to tend to work with those guys. Um, and, and I'm just going to probably play it by ear as we go along and, and just trust the way I feel about it. Now, there's been a lot of talk in the offseason. Um, uh, another issue that's a bit kind of gray as far as was the clubhouse a bit off last year, and, and it looks 
you know, from the surface that the Blue Jays have made some moves to kind of bring in a different element this year. As a guy that's been with a few different teams and is a renowned leader, how do you how do you sort of prepare yourself to go into a new clubhouse and almost be thrust into a leadership role straight away that rather than be able to build yourself up into that position? Ah, uh, good question. Uh, you know, I, I have no idea how the dynamic was last year, so I, I can't yeah. really comment on that. Um, from from my experience, I know that you know I've been in clubhouses that were tighter um, and, and won. And I've been in, in, in clubhouses that weren't a site and, and I've won it also. And still won, okay. So, um, you know, it, it, sometimes uh, clubhouses can, can also be different, just, you know, depending on the age uh, age of the clubhouse. Um, with the guys that were older, they had families, they, they all had their, their stuff, and, and they were all went their separate ways after the game, you know, and, and they had family waiting after the game, so they would just jet out, out of the clubhouse. And, and with the older guys, that's, that's how it t would tend to be. Um, with the younger guys, and even just in, in baseball in general, guys don't spend as much time in the clubhouse as, as they used to. Um, but one thing that it does is when you do have a tight clubhouse and, and you do enjoy being you know, with each other, it makes it more fun. Yeah. Um, now, does that have an impact through, throughout a year? I mean, I, I think it does. I mean, because you enjoy going to work, you enjoy your time that you're spending with those guys, and, and, and you know, there's more of like a, a cohesive feel to the clubhouse, which, I don't know if it's going to translate to a lot more wins, but it's definitely more enjoyable. Um, and as far as, as being a leader, I mean, I'm, you know, I kind of just try and lead myself. I try to lead by example. I try to um, be consistent in my workouts um, and how I prepare for the games and, um, and the way I play on the field. You know, I try and do things the right way um, and, you know, indirectly, you know, Sometimes I'll be able to, to impact somebody you know, that's watching me or, or, or let them know that, hey, you can do it this way too and, and, and kind of have a positive effect that way. Um, I'm, not, I'm not the guy that's going to be you know, making a bunch of speeches and, 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 and talking you know, in, front of the, in front of the guys. Um, that's you know, not really my style. Um, if I need to do it, you know, I'll, I'll probably do it. Um, but, but normally just, just trying to lead by example tends to, to do the job. Um, the Blue Jays, it seems like they almost went out of their way to be a bit more Canadian this year. I mean, I know they were all great moves, so you can't say it was just because of the passport. Um, this is your first time playing in Canada um, half the season. Do you think it's going to be any different? I mean, I know you're, you were born in Ontario, from more yeah. from Quebec. Have you thought about where you're going to live? Are you going to be a downtown guy or yeah. head out to the suburbs? And No, I think, I was, I think I'm going to stay downtown uh, in, in one of those towers that are yeah. they're building <laughs> yeah um close close to the field um, and you know i think just having some nice restaurants to go to will be fun and stuff um, so definitely excited to to enjoy the city heard a lot of great things about toronto it'd be nice to spend more time there um and as far as um you know the other part of the question i, I do think it's going to be different i think there's going to be a bit more tension um and but besides that it's the same game you yeah. know uh, so, so the baseball part's not going to really change. Maybe just the attention, a bit more media, a little bit. Would you, do you think you can help? I mean, I think you're going to help anyways because you'll be a bit of a buffer, whereas Brett Laurie was kind of on his own. But do you think you'll be able to help someone like Dalton, who's only 21 or whatever he is, and you know this is his first taste, and, and he started last year in the Florida State League? You know, are you going to be able to sort of take not take him under your wing, but sort of protect him a bit from the media commitments that he might face and, and take him away from his game? Uh, I definitely think I can, you know, give him some advice um, and 
I'm not going to give him advice if he doesn't want it, but but if he's up for it, uh, I can definitely help him and you know let him know that he doesn't have to do everything. You know, yeah. That he can kind of make sure he takes care of himself first, um, because the goal is to to be as um, you know as performant or you know. The goal is to just perform at a high level on the field first. Yeah. So whatever you need to do, make sure you take care of that first, and then you know the rest comes second. And, 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 and typically, it tends to work out. So you know, don't you know, go do you know, 45 minutes of interview if you need to get ready for a stretch or, or get ready you know for your workout. Or um, so just it's, a, it's a just a, having a good balance and. When you're young, it just everything feels like it's coming out of like 10 miles an hour. So um, you know, if I can have uh, or help me slow things down a little bit, um, that'd be great. But um, yeah, you know, I expect that he's going to have you know a bunch of guys there for him. I hope you know that yeah. there's going to be a bunch of guys there for him because um, there's more. I'm not the only veteran on the team. And last question: uh, Have you any thoughts to where you're you're going to hit the lineup? Preferences? Oh, man. It's such a stacked roster that it, it, you know it's. I think it's just going to be a blast hitting wherever in that lineup. Yeah. Um, I've hit just about <laughs> everywhere. Last year I was uh, more, uh, you know, in a, in a productive position, more RBI position. Like I was hit fifth, and when Kutch went down, I was hitting third. I don't think I'm going to be hitting third um, in this lineup. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. No. Um, but yeah, exactly. Um, but I, you know, wherever they want me to, to, to hit, I'll hit. I tend to, to have an act for forgetting on base, working the count, um, and, and you know I can drive runs in too. So for me, it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, wherever I'm going to be hitting, I'm going to try and do play the game the right way. Sorry, I lied. Not last question. Um, <laughs> last year, um, some of the people that take a look at the contract, you know, it's, it's obviously a huge contract, one of the biggest the Blue Jays have signed in a, lot, in a long time. Um, offensively, you had a, a big year last year, and those that are playing devil's advocate are saying it's a bit of an outlier from your previous seasons. Do you just think you had a good year, or were there some adjustments made that you feel that success is going to be carried forward? In what is a, a good hitting ballpark as well? You know, Pittsburgh isn't really renowned as, yeah. as a good ballpark. Uh, there definitely were, were adjustments. Um, just, uh, I did, uh, from the beginning of the season, um, it was just working on staying inside the ball. Staying inside the ball in spring training, um, working the ball the other way, and, and really like spreading out with two strikes and staying short and just battling with two strikes. Um, and, and it, it just turned out to, to just get more hits, really, and, and really not trying to drive the ball, you know, out of the park as much. Um, and if I did, it, I was trying to go, you know, right center. Um, got off the plate a little bit, gave myself some room inside, and um, and just let my hands work. And really, I mean, it's. There were subtle adjustments, small adjustments. Um, the bigger adjustments were in my work ethic, in my workout program, and how my body felt. And my body felt great all year just because of how I took care of myself and, and, and nutrition too. Nutrition played a big key in, in, in the way I felt. So, you know, knowing everything, knowing all the things that worked out for me last year, I know coming into this year what I need to do to maintain that. And you know, I might tweak a little. Uh, thing here or there, but for the most part, I have a good idea of what I need to do to be successful. Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks. for your time. Much appreciate it. There you go. That was Charlie Kasky and Russell Martin of the Toronto Blue Jays. So nice little chat with him. Yeah, you know, it was funny when we were talking about the, the catch and throw aspect of, of the knuckleball. You have to kind of visualize he was almost getting down into his crouch as I was asking that <laughs> and showing me 
while he's verbalizing, he was actually trying to show me what he would do as well or what he's going to do. <laughs> um, it was quite, it was quite quite amusing. He's getting into the interview. He was. He was. It must and be such it, a good interviewer. That's what it is. Well, you, you heard him. He said a couple times, <laughs> "That's a good question." So I kind of puffed my chest out. We're all puffing our chest out a bit. Yeah. Him because he's trying to catch and throw. He's helping it? the atmosphere all yeah, over the place, exactly. not just in the locker room. He's a great guy. He's already made me feel better about the Blue Jays <laughs> this year, let alone, you know, buying dinner for Stroman and Sanchez. Wait till you see him play baseball. Bidding on Roberto Alomar's jersey. <laughs> um, Anything else you want to take away from the luncheon? Like any other things you a, noticed? A final point, Greg. I know you couldn't make it, but the media table this year was not... Last year it was quite sparsely populated. We got to eat because they put the starter down for all 10 of the seats or whatever right. it is. There's like six of us. Yeah, exactly. So you and I had like <laughs> three starters each. Um, so they must have this year thought, all right, well, we're not going to have a media table all on its own. We're going to marry it with the communications company that we've hired to help us do the uh, the media relations for the mm-hmm. event. There must be sort of like a hiring policy for the girls that work in communications companies. <laughs> I don't know exactly. I can't put my finger in it. In it, on it, sorry. <laughs> Freudian wow, slip. Fro- <laughs> but, yeah, it's, there's a certain element to what the girls look like. Okay. So, you know, we all know I'm... And you're married with children, married so you obviously children. didn't even look over at all. Well, no, that's that's exactly the opposite, Greg. <laughs> married with children, old, boring. So the having or getting to have lunch with three beautiful women doesn't really happen to me all that much. <laughs> Just one most yeah. of the time, if your wife's uh, listening. Exactly. Yeah, and we don't get to have lunch together that often <laughs> without kids crawling all over us. So, um, yeah, it was it was quite spectacular, to be perfectly honest. Um, so you, you're saying that you enjoyed that meal more than our meal together the year before? What, the meal that you just sat there and, on your phone, on your Facebook the entire time? I was time? chatting up the table. I was talking to all, everyone else. You were the mm, one that was, no. you had your notebook and you had your face buried in it. You didn't even... What, trying to take notes on the actual, um, what was going on? <laughs> yeah. At the food part of the... the the luncheon, okay. Well, because last year I remember I was taking notes on what Jake Kerr was saying about um, he was really pissed off about the UBC. Right. Uh, and for those that don't know, very briefly, UBC decided that they were going to cut sports, varsity sports last year. So they had Most basically, well, they were going to have a call. So they basically asked the varsity sports to apply as to why they should be kept on. Jake Kerr, being a UBC alum, was none too happy about it and made his feelings clear. This year, he decided to take the filter off and have a go at Edward Rogers and the rest of Rogers about the whole Beeston situation and basically called them a pack of, well, he, the word he used was klutz, um, klutzes, which I think he wanted to use other words. But mm. um, So it was quite funny, but the room, you could kind of get a sense that the room was like, oh, wow, did he just say that? Um, right in front of Beeston. Right in front of Beeston, right in front of the Blue Jays. You know, the, you know, there's Blue Jays staff there. There was Charlie Wilson was there. Jay Beeston, was there. yeah. Um, so it was just like, whoa. And, you know, so again, even in front of these beautiful women, like I did with you, I took out my notebook. Oh, shit, I got to write this down. You idiot. <laughs> so I, I wrote it down because I had to quote him. So I, I wrote mm. an article on post-luncheon. Um with none of the uh, audio, because I wanted people to uh, to get it on the uh, podcast, but most of my interview with, with Charlie Wilson's on that article. I've also, segueing into what I've done lately, um, done my bottom third of my top prospect list. Yep. Um, so we're looking at the middle third coming up soon. Um, and I'm also working on a piece right now, funnily enough, on where are the Jays going to extract added value, one of which is being 
Aaron Sanchez <laughs> in the starting rotation. And we had a little chat about depth as well. I think that yes. has something to do with it. <laughs> yes. So uh, look for that at uh, thevancouversun.com forward slash Canadians and yourvanseas.com. And of course, you can get me on Twitter at, at Charlie Caskey, C A S K E Y. Any thoughts on Travis Snyder going to Baltimore? Or none whatsoever. Was he even <laughs> playing for Pittsburgh all that much? Not that. He was a role guy. He was, off he was like a fourth outfit yeah. platoon guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I saw someone on Twitter like, oh, this is just... I, that short he's portion, He's going to absolutely right. mash, isn't he? Um, <laughs> even yeah. the left, it's a short wall. Well, it's deep, but it's very short in, in terms of height. Yeah. It's like uh, five feet. He's... He's, he is what he is. He's never really turned out to be much of a player, has he? <laughs> what did we get? Um, shoot, who did we get in that trade? It was a former. It was a first Lincoln. round pitcher, Brad Lincoln. Brad Lincoln. I was there. I was at the game in Seattle when he got taken. Oh, I was off there the too, yeah. and I remember I wasn't at the game. I was in. Oh yeah, I was at the game when he got taken out. But yeah. then the next day, Thames got traded for um, Delabar, and I was we were to at, Seattle. <laughs> yeah, we were at Fox Sports Grill, and some guy was sitting next to us. He's like, "Hey, you guys are gonna love Delabar," and sure enough, we did for, for a, a year. <laughs> But Thames went basically straight to Korea. So that was a win. But that whole, you know, that Lincoln-Schneider trade, I guess, I don't know. Lincoln tried. Yeah. Bit of a wash that one, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't, I'm not as hung up as some people are over losing Snyder. He's a character, of course. Fans are going to like him, but he's a role guy. He's the fourth outfielder. He, he is, well, I think, and maybe that's going to happen to me now that I'm writing about the Canadians and seeing these guys, like, on the cusp of... of uh, you know, are they fourth outfielders? And Kevin Pillar might be my guy. <laughs> you know, even though I didn't see him in Vancouver, I love him as a player. But if he goes, am I going to be upset? Like, I can see why people were upset. He was a first-round pick. He absolutely mashed in the minor leagues. Yeah. People thought he got jerked around by Cito and, and the hitting coach at the time, you know, do this, do that. So I could see why people were pissed off and on the trade. But, you know, obviously Anthopolis had no... He had no worries about it. It's not like he's lit it up wherever else he's gone. Well, no. Yeah, so, I mean, it, he's been proven right. As Anthopolis has been proven right with a lot of the trades he's made of minor league talent. Mm-hmm. You know, Justin Nicolino, I was like, what, what's he doing training away? This guy, he's, <laughs> he's going to be in the majors in a year. He's yet to pitch in the majors. Syndergaard, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a... Marisnik? Marisnik is apparently going to battle Colby Rasmus, of all people, this yep. year to be the center fielder for the Astros. So that yep. actually, that should be interesting. But <laughs> still, you know, Miami gave up on him. Um, who was the other pitcher in that trade who did come up for a bit at the end of last year? In the Syndergaard? No, in the Miami trade, the Reyes trade. Um, shoot. Well, Henderson Alvarez was obviously a large chunk of that. I yeah, I know, but the minor leaguer. Anyways. Um so, yeah, I mean, obviously, he, he knows the talent within his own system better than anybody else knows the talent, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, getting back to Castro, maybe they do think he is a major league pen arm. Maybe they're not trying to pull the wool over some other team and, and trade him away for a Chase Utley sort of, I don't know. Who knows? Well, it's, it's all coming to a head soon because pitchers and catchers report in oh, about a month, I believe, end of February. No, middle? less than a month, like the less, 23rd or 24th. Okay. Yeah. Usually around the last week of February, right? Yep. It's coming up quicker than you think, and then before we know it, it'll be spring training, it'll be in Montreal, and then it'll be regular season. Time to roll. Well, and for any of our listeners back east, it pretty much is spring in Vancouver already. (laughs) Don't rub it in, Charlie. I'm wearing shorts right now. You're always wearing shorts, even when it's minus two. True, but it's far more comfortable to wear shorts right now (laughs) than when it's minus two. 
Okay. I don't come home with blue legs. I'm sure we have some listeners in Ontario that aren't happy listening to this. Right <laughs> so if you'd like to reach Charlie and make him feel your wrath, you can go uh, yourvancees at gmail.com <laughs> or his yeah, Twitter, like he love, already mentioned. We'd love to get some emails. Especially if you listen to us on iTunes, because we're curious if we have any listeners on iTunes. So make sure you send us um, an email. Yeah, and like like you mentioned before we came on, it's been three weeks, over three weeks. So we will rectify that. We'll get another one in soon. Well, it'll be lots of stuff trickling down, I think, in the yeah. next little while. Yeah. Maybe we'll do one from uh, Montreal. Who knows? That would be kind figure of cool. Figure out a way to do it that way. On location, yeah. yeah. Um, and studios, I don't know how we'd figure it out, but... Uh, we uh, <laughs> And we'll line up a couple of other guests. I've got a few ideas of, of guys that we can get lined up, um, both prior to spring training and during spring training. So that should all uh, be very interesting. Keep it locked on yourvancees.com. Exactly. <laughs> or on Twitter, at Charlie Kasky, at Greg Ballock, B-A-L-L-O-C-H. And, yeah, that's pretty much going to do it for our... I love this. I love our annual... Uh, we'll make it a yearly... I think our first episode was from the luncheon, wasn't it? it might have been. Uh, Maybe well, not. that's where we met. That's where we met. So, but yeah. we didn't come up with the idea until summertime, I'm right, sure. Right, right. So I think... Uh, it takes us a lot. The hamster needed to get woken up and, and <laughs> start churning. I like it because we can get the actual players and, and some good audio from the guy. So appreciate you going down there and doing that. Yeah, I was I was a bit worried because when they initially, they initially told us there was going to be no media availability, mm-hmm. then they, then they kind of came back and said, oh, actually, we're going to do half an hour before the lunch. And so... Fantastic. Come all the way to Vancouver and not talk to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, thanks to, thanks to the Blue Jays. Thanks for the, yeah. the staff that brought it all together for us. It was great. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. That's another episode of Your Van Seas Podcast. Thank you.